welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. There should have been plenty of buzz around this year's Florida at Florida State game. The narrative should have been that both teams are greatly improved from last year, and this year's game would be a close match. That was before Florida lost to Vanderbilt this past Saturday. While Florida State was crushing a lesser opponent in Louisiana, Florida was ineptly muddling through a loss to a team that they had only lost one other time to since 1989. The Florida loss is aided in Florida State being a heavy 9.5 point favorite at Doak Campbell Stadium in our state's capital on Friday, a first in this series. Can the Gators pull themselves up, dust themselves off, and beat the rising Seminoles? Or will Florida State finish the regular season on a five-game win streak heading into bowl season? To break it down, I welcome in Gators beat reporter Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun and Seminoles beat writer Carter Carls of the Tallahassee Democrat. They'll give us the inside scoop on what the Gators need to do to win and what FSU needs to do to thwart them. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. The Florida Gators are riding a three-game series winning streak going into Friday's game with Florida State. In 2021, both were five-win teams heading into a showdown where one team would become bowl eligible while the other would go home for the offseason. Florida won a tight matchup, which ended up being a bad thing given the Gators suffered an embarrassing loss to UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl. The Gators lead the all-time series with the Seminoles 37-26-2. Let's hear what our experts have to say on this year's game. Carter, Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. All righty. Well, I look forward to a good discussion here. And Kevin, we're going to start with you because of what happened this past weekend. What on earth happened with Vanderbilt? You know, we head into the final game of the regular season is Florida better or worse than they were when they beat then number seven Utah to begin the season? Well, I think Billy Napier coined inconsistent. You know, at times they can look very good, obviously, with the South Carolina win. And then you look at what South Carolina did to Tennessee. Uh, you could say, hey, look, they're on the come. But I think this is part of the growing pains of a first year coach, unfortunately. Um, are they better? I, I would say they're probably the same as they were um they haven't really shown as much growth as you would you would like to see but i don't think that they're necessarily terrible either i i think the issue is is the run game when they establish a the run they're very good when they you know run behind osiris torrance and the big line and they get that going they're very good they're six and one when they run for 200 yards or more oh and four when they run for 200 yards or less that seems to be the magic number for them um, and when they don't establish the run in the read option, uh, then they have a lot of problems. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about the defensive issues here in a minute too, because they they just didn't seem to be able to stop 
Vanderbilt when Vanderbilt just kind of had their way with them when they needed to. But Carter, let's turn to you next. You know, Florida State, they're now eight and three. They've won four in a row. They just defeated Louisiana, which was current Gators head coach Billy Napier's former team. So what has been the biggest improvement or turnaround for the Seminoles this year, considering where they were heading into this game last year as a five win team? Uh, man, I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, like every, every place you look, uh, they've, they've pretty much improved, but, uh, really, uh, I think the offense is, is where you, you see the biggest improvement. Uh, Jordan Travis, completely different quarterback. He's we've 12th in passing efficiency. The rushing offense is 14 and this receiving group went from being the worst in the ACC to being one of the best. So it's, uh, a group that has uh, completely changed for for many reasons. We could do a whole podcast uh, on that, but um, no, it's it's uh, pretty stunning. But I, a lot of it speaks to uh, they've they've hit on a lot of transfers. They've developed their talent pretty well, and and Jordan Travis has really taken that step forward as a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the way they're playing now, I'm sure that they wish they could go back to where they lost three games in a row to ranked teams because those were all pretty close games. And you feel like maybe now they've figured some things out. Maybe they could have pulled one or two of those out. But, you know, can't go back in the past. But, but, you know, let's go back to Kevin now. Uh, You know, let's talk about Anthony Richardson. He's another one that can be hard to figure out. You know, last week against Vanderbilt, 400 yards passing, three touchdowns. Sometimes he'll pull out a game where he only has 86 yards passing, but they win. Now, obviously, you mentioned the run game didn't get going, but only 24 points with a quarterback throwing for 400 yards. That's just a weird thing to see. So how do you assess his play and where he is right now? Well, he's playing better in terms of mistake-free football. And But what was interesting was when we talked to him Monday about the read option, he said that there were some decisions he probably could have made better when he looked at the film. He said a few times in the red zone, if had he pulled the ball back and ran, he could have walked in for a touchdown backwards. Um, so he knows, I think, uh, that uh, he, he made a few mistakes. I mean, Vanderbilt was overplaying the run, and Richardson made some throws. Uh, I mean, he missed some throws, too. He was behind on guys. Uh, a lot of that 400 yards kind of came late in the game when, you know, they were playing uphill and they had to come back. Very similar to the Tennessee game in that regard. But Anthony Richardson, I think we all can agree, is at his best when he's at about 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. I mean, that's when, you know, he's that true dual threat. I mean, you look back and, and you know, and makes those explosive plays uh, in the run game to complement the passing game. And that's been kind of hit or miss throughout the season. It's just been game to game. There's some games where – you know, he springs off that big run and he gets going and other games when uh, when he doesn't. And uh, some of that is, is dictated on uh, how the defenses play him. But, uh, you know, more often than not, when the defense takes the run game away from him, um, he tends to, uh, you know, it, it, t- it tends to be a, a bad result for Florida. Do you think that this will be his last game in a Gator uniform or do you see him back next year? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the $50,000 question, right? Um it's um it's interesting we we you know you hear mixed signals around town um i do know that uh his family really prioritizes education and they'd like to see him get his degree um but uh there's a lot that's going to be on the table for him and there's a lot of mixed views on him there's there've been so many scouts that have come in the swamp um you know throughout you know indianapolis colts who are looking for a future quarterback might be a a prime example of someone that's been to almost every game 
so you wonder, you know, what his stock is and you wonder what their feeling is because he's he's not a finished product, but sometimes the NFL will take a chance on someone that's not a finished product and think that they can do it better, you know, and, and the fact that uh, you've got that time uh, to invest in him that, you know, you don't have to worry about schoolwork and so forth. So it, it's going to be tricky. Um, I would say, you know, he's probably – going to come back but um we'll, we'll we'll see how things go the next couple of weeks yeah i mean he's definitely got all of the measurables you would say as far as size and strength and arm but you know to, to use a thanksgiving reference he's kind of like a casserole right now that's not fully cooked so i'd love to see him back next year to bake for a little bit more uh carter now let's talk about florida state's quarterback because when you and i talked several weeks back you were talking about you know jordan travis his improvements you know maybe a fifth or sixth round draft pick at the time and now i mean he's just getting better and better you know we saw him play great this past weekend so you know how do you like him against florida's defense and what do you think his future is there with florida state or in the nfl draft yeah, as far as uh, at Florida's defense, um, it's interesting. They they have also mostly struggled this year, but there have been times like against South Carolina. Uh, I watched the second half that they had against Texas A and M, where th- they have they have had their moments, but I think for the most part they have struggled against the run. I believe this the seven of the last eight. Uh, Power five opponents and maybe maybe SEC opponents they've played. Uh, they've given up a 100 yard rusher. So I think this is a game where Florida State can lean on this running game once again. They've had six straight games with uh, more than 200 rushing yards, which is uh, the first time that's happened uh, for the program since 1995. Uh, so that what what why that has happened? Uh, it's a couple reasons. Uh, Offensive line is is playing extremely well. That that six game stretch, that's when left tackle Robert Scott became healthy again. Uh, and and ever since he's been back in the fold, this offensive line's really been clicking. They've been healthy, uh, whereas before that they they had struggled with a lot of injuries. And then Trey Benson has really found his own. So to answer to finally answer your question with uh, with Jordan Travis. It's made it so much easier on him when you have that running game. Whereas, you know, in the past, I think there were questions about like, okay, should should he be running the ball more? Like, you know, what, like, should he be spreading the ball around as much as he should? Well, now he can just kind of take what the defense is giving him. And it's made him a such, such more of an efficient quarterback. All, a lot of his best efficiency numbers have come during this stretch and he he's just kind of taking what the defense gives him, and you know against Syracuse he almost broke Florida State's uh, completion percentage record but a lot of the throws were kind of dink and dunk so like um I I think the 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 thing that makes this offense really special is they can beat you in so many different ways uh Florida State leads the country in explosive plays uh, 80 plays of 20 plus yards. Uh, and that's come through the run that's come through the pass. Uh, but they can also be dink and dunk. They can also run with the quarterback. Uh, and so it's just, it makes it easier on Jordan Travis. Whereas in the last couple of years, they had a very bad offensive line. They had a very bad wide receiving core. 
didn't have a good tight end really. And so they, they really couldn't, you know, win one-on-one matchups. They couldn't sustain drives that they, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, so it's, it's made it easier for them as far as NFL future. I still don't think Jordan Travis is an NFL quarterback. Um, when I've talked to NFL draft scouts, scouts, they, they said, you know, if, 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 if he were, if he were to have an NFL future, he'd probably be a guy who gets drafted very late, you know, sixth round, seventh round. And it probably wouldn't happen unless he came back uh, uh, next year. Now, if he came back next year and really took a step forward, um, I mean, he could end up having kind of a, a Hendon Hooker sort of rise next year. I think, I think that's, like they're they're not the same quarterback, but it's a, a similar comparison as far as you know a guy who maybe his first couple of years showed some flashes, but didn't really do all that much, and then really comes on late. So you, you never know. I mean, I, he could be a guy that becomes a middle round kind of pick, but I think he ha- he needs to come back next year and get better. I just don't know where his mindset is at with that right now because he's. He's kind of throughout the year indicated both directions. So it's 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 gonna be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, I mean when you look around the ACC, especially Clemson taking a big step back this year, I think Florida State would be the favorite in the ACC next year if Jordan Travis comes back. So, you know, if, if he wants to help them get back to that, you know, major national area that Clemson's kind of dominated for the ACC the last few years, I, I think that him coming back would be a very good thing. And you're right, I, I think he should. I think he should continue to to hone his skills and you know maybe move up to a third or fourth rounder where he could have a nice career as a backup. But you know, keep an eye on that. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of Gator fans would be happy to see him leave because they don't want to see him this year or next year. But, you know, Kevin, when when you look at the Seminoles, what matchups do you like for Florida, whether it's on offense or defense? Is there anything in particular you've seen the Seminoles do where you think Florida can, you know, maybe exploit this? Well, I think Florida might be able to run on them a little bit. I think that that could be uh, that could be something, and when Florida, like I said, when Florida establishes the run, they're usually pretty good. Um, so I would I would say that would be the the primary uh, thing, and uh, you know, uh, uh, defensively, uh, you know, Florida's secondary has been pretty good, causing turnovers. So uh, you know, perhaps a, a chance uh, to get something in coverage. But like Carter said, I think the run game for Florida State could come into play here, and, and don't forget too, Ventrell Miller. Um, has that targeting suspension uh, that that they're trying to appeal. But uh, if it's unsuccessful, then he's going to be out at least the first half of that game. And if he's out the first half of that game, that really impacts Florida defensively. Wow. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. Hopefully we'll know that. I don't know if the game's on Friday. You know, today is Tuesday we're taping this, so it'll be interesting to hear when that appeal might actually be heard. So, you know, Carter, same question for you. What do you like uh, for the Seminoles against the Gators? Yeah, I agree with Kevin there. Uh, that's what I would not like is, is the run defense for FSU. And then what I do like for FSU is the, just them establishing the run. I think it's been something that has worked for them. They've got three different running backs that are exceptional. And Lawrence Toafili, Trey Sean Ward, and, and Trey Benson. And, you know, if one of them's not working, you can – 
you know, uh, lean on another. They can kind of ride the hot hand. And then Jordan Travis is someone who hasn't always used his legs, but I think in the bigger games, right, the, the Clemsons, the, the LSUs, the Miamis, he, he's going to use his legs and do whatever it takes to win because I think kind of the concern for him was he wanted to stay healthy throughout the year. Well, now you're in the finale. You're in the biggest game of the season. This could be a game where he he runs the ball uh, more than he has all season, I think. Uh, and so I, I think, yeah, Ventrell Miller being out potentially for the first half, second on the team and tackles. Uh, this could be a, a, another seventh straight uh 200 plus rushing game for Florida State. Um and then I, I'm I'm curious to see defensively what they do exactly because I mean a- a- Anthony Richardson can can beat you both ways. I mean 400 passing uh against Vanderbilt, but uh it, it it's such a hot and cold thing. You know, he can have some games where he has three picks. Um, we saw what happened last week where they, they couldn't run the ball at all. So, you know, I don't know if, if you're FSU's defense, do you, you just trying to force turnovers or are you trying to take away the pass and just say, oh, okay, or, or try to take away the run and, and say, okay, you just throw it on us and, and we'll, we'll just bank on the fact that we think we might get a couple turnovers. Uh, I really don't know, but the, the thing that's made this defense a lot better in recent weeks is they've stopped the run pretty well. They've started to force some turnovers, which they they didn't really in the first half of the season. And this starting defense, last four games, has not allowed a touchdown. All the touchdowns they've given up have been in garbage time. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think Florida's going to move the ball pretty well offensively, but uh, can they force enough turnovers? Can they make them kick field goals and and can they just overall, you know, shut down one of those sides of the game? Can they shut down the running game and give up, give up some passing yards? We'll, we'll see. But yeah, that definitely an, an interesting formula there that Vandy came up with. Yeah, sure. Pass for 400 yards on us, but you're not going to be running the ball on us. So that, that, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was definitely a shocking result. I'll tell you that being somebody that has graduated from the University of Florida, not something fun to watch losing to Vanderbilt. But so, Kevin, how would you grade Billy Napier's first year as Gators head coach? And if they beat the Seminoles, does it go up a letter grade? You know, I give them a C right now and, uh, you know, maybe a B or B minus if they beat Florida State. But I I think it's been just kind of an uneven year. Um, and, you know, you could say this team is inconsistent, but that starts at the top. I mean, and that starts at, uh, you know, how you prepare a team each week. And he wasn't dealt the greatest hand in terms of talent. I still think this roster um, has some holes. Um, you know, he addressed some of it in the transfer portal in terms of, uh, you know, bringing in guys like Osiris Torrance, who's a, you know, first team all SEC guy. Um, but if, and if you look at this team right now, and uh, I don't know if some of it is based on simply opportunity or uh, talent, but a lot of the guys that are contributing are guys that Napier brought in. Montrell Johnson, Trevor Etienne, a true freshman, um, Osiris Torrance. So uh, I, I think he's trying to find, you know, the guys that he can trust and the guys that he feels like he has ability. But, 
it's going to probably take another recruiting class or two for him to get the program where he really wants it. Actually, you know, I was reading a great story earlier this week by Jacksonville, Florida Times Union columnist Gene Frenette, who is saying that the reason Florida State, you know, looks so much better is they're in their third year of their rebuild, while, you know, Napier is here just in his first year. So, you know, he thinks that Florida fans have to be a little bit more patient with Napier. And now we're seeing, uh, you know, Norvell reap the rewards. So, Carter, how how badly does Coach Mike Norvell need this win, given he's 0-2 against the Gators so far in his career? Yeah, uh, Mike, he's actually 0-1 because the COVID year redid all the schedules. Uh, but the the last year was was a was a loss for them that really um, left a sour taste in their mouth because they they really battled back that season after starting 0-4. They got back to a point where they're five and six, and they've said it all this week that. They just they played a little out of their element because they, you know, took the the rivalry a, a little too seriously, I guess, and, and got a little distracted and and kind of played uh, uncharacteristic football uh, relative to how they had been playing during that stretch, and so that kept them out of a bowl game. It was yet another year where Florida State had a losing record, yet another year where they're left out of a bowl game, and it end the end of their season at five and seven. And so, you know, that, that was one, yeah, that, that, that really stung for them. And, you know, Mike Norvell has talked about this. It's been kind of interesting. He said that uh, there's two opponents that he mentions uh, in every preseason or in the first preseason meeting that he has with the team, uh, obviously Florida and Miami and you know he doesn't shy away from the importance of those games. He's a he's a he's a very much of a, a coach speak kind of coach who who's you know every day is important and focus on every day. But he is very open about how these games are so much more important than the others. And but the interesting thing is he doesn't ever mention the teams by name. He will never say Florida and he will never say Miami. If you watch all of his interviews, I I, I want to actually I thought about going back and watching which when was the last time he's actually said them by name. But, uh, yeah, he, he refuses to do it. It's it's how important and seriously he takes this game. And as far as this season goes, you know, they've they're four and oh in their last four games. And I think if they win this game, you have to feel so good about where this program is right now. Because you have a chance to have a 10-win season for the first time since 2016. You have a chance to end the season on a six-game winning streak uh, and really sell to your players like, hey, you come back next year, Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, et cetera. Like, you have a chance to maybe win the ACC. You lose this game, though, and it really leaves a, another sour taste in your mouth because you, you think – as a nine and a half point favorite at home, FSU, they they should win this game. But if 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 they just let it get to them and and you know they kind of look like the team that we saw during that three game winning streak, I mean this Florida team, they are capable of playing pretty good football. We saw it against Tennessee. There are stretches against Georgia. We saw it against U- Utah. Uh, so FSU's got to take it seriously, and 
this game really does kind of determine what your offseason mood and and really just how you feel about this program, I think. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm sorry that I forgot the 2020 game was canceled. That's the only blip in this series since 1958. They had played every year except then. And boy, the, the COVID year, that seems like a lifetime ago, and it's only two years ago, so that's crazy to think. But, you know, Kevin, when you talk about this rivalry, and I just mentioned it's been played, aside from 2020, every year since 1958, always on a Saturday. So do you like the change of this game to being on Black Friday this year? Well, I think it creates a national stage for both programs, which may be good. But, uh, you know, that being said, um, I'm kind of the person that always thinks of, oh, you know, Friday for Fridays for high school football, right? Friday night lights. And you're going to have state playoff games going all around. And, you know, it's something we asked a few players. We didn't ask Napier. I'm thinking about asking uh, Napier about it later in the week, just about, uh, you know, even recruiting, right? You, you know, you're, you're, you're giving away a recruiting night because most of your staff is going to be there. Maybe they'll have other people that can, you know, go out and about and, and evaluate and do some things. But uh, it's, um, I think it's part of the new world. Everyone's looking for television windows, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but uh, we'll, uh, it, it, it could make for an interesting uh, atmosphere at least. And uh, it'll be interesting to see too, the preparation aspect of it. Billy Napier has talked a lot about, you know, when, when he was in the Sun Belt, uh, you know, going through that hurricane game where, you know, they had to move the Eastern Washington game from Saturday to Sunday. And then they had the short turnaround against Missouri about, you know, how he was used to that in the Sun Belt playing different days of the week. Yeah. And Carter, I know that you previously were, I believe it was a Notre Dame reporter and you're from Texas, if I remember correctly. But what do you think about holding a rivalry game like Florida, Florida State on a Friday as opposed to Saturday? Yeah, I'm I'm not crazy about it. Um, I think people have started to warm up to it because it's just kind of like, hey, you, you get the game out of the way because uh, you spend all week so anxious about it. You just want it want it to be played. But um, yeah, I kind of like Saturday. I I think like when you look at like some of the other Friday games that are usually on, they're not very good. So it, there's like two ways that you could look at it. One way is well. There are not a lot of other great games on, you know, that 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 means you could be the best game and you could really get a lot of views. But also, if there's not a lot of great games on, maybe not as many people are in front of their television screen and maybe people um, they, they just kind of lump you into that. They just kind of assume, oh, you're just another one of the bad games. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's it, it feels it just feels a little like. Uh, gimmicky you know having a friday game again like when, when you compared all the other games being played i would rather than play uh i mean this sounds crazy and and this is probably the uh a m texas background that i have but uh play it on thanksgiving why not right like if, if you want to have a great rivalry like play it on a, a special day where like families can really sit down and, and enjoy watching you play. I mean, how, how awesome would that be to, to play this game on Thanksgiving? I know it probably would never happen, but um, I like that more than that, than Friday. I like Saturday more than Friday, but I also don't hate it. Cause like I said, you, you get the game out of the way uh, six day week. I think uh, these, these teams are eager to get on that field. And um, I don't, I don't think they're, complaining about it i think they're they're just uh they don't care what data that it is but yeah selfishly 
Uh, give me some crazy Thursday slot or, or Saturday is kind of what I think. Uh, I think the NFL would probably never want a large college rivalry on a Thursday, but you never know. You know, with Fridays, though, this could potentially be a good spot for them, especially for the state of Florida, given that once UCF enters the Big 12, they're not going to be playing USF anymore on their last game of the season, at least not until about 2028 or 9, if I remember correctly, is the next slot where they could potentially play. So really, Florida, Florida State could take center stage in a big state like Florida. So I guess they'll probably look at the ratings, see what happens this year, and kind of assess that for next year. And I also, in my column this week, everybody can go and read it. It's at Gainesville.com, and it's around the state, Tallahassee.com, but about how a, a result for a late-night Florida, Florida State game got ruined for me early on a Sunday morning after I taped the game. But uh, also, you know, when I was a kid, I remember the game was played at like noon. So I remember the famous 30 to three collapse. That was a noon game. We were watching that in the afternoon in 1993. So I kind of liked it early on a Saturday. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But now, guys, it is the time of the podcast where I want you guys as beat writers to ask each other a question because you guys watch the teams, you know them best, and I can only ask so many questions dealing with these things. So, you know, let's start with Kevin. Uh, what would you like to ask Carter uh, about the Seminoles? Yeah, Carter, I'm intrigued by Johnny Wilson, 6'7 target, and uh, what kind of problem problems as he presented uh, opposing uh, secondaries this year and 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 do you project that uh, he could have a big day Friday night yeah Johnny Wilson uh real impressive guy just uh six foot seven 235 uh, obviously you see what he can do with the ball in his hands Louisville game when I talk to you know the NFL folks they they just rave about what he was able to do against Louisville particularly at the backup quarterback. Tate Rodemaker, but what really makes him special and what makes this wide receiving group special is they very well could be the best blocking receiver group in the country. They are exceptional when it comes to, you know, just borderline abusing uh, defensive backs uh, on the perimeter. And it, and it makes this running game more special because they can get out on those edges and really get to that second level uh, with ease. Uh, and Johnny Wilson, I don't know if there's a better blocking receiver in the country, and that's why I think he's got a very promising future in the NFL. Uh, I, I, for, from what I've seen so far, he is a uh, probably a fifth or sixth round pick if he leaves this year. But um, I think there is a very good reason to believe that he will be back next year. He uh, just signed on with Rising Spear, the the NIL collective, uh, you know, uh, that that follows Florida State. He just signed with them uh, before this last game. And you think that they would not sign a player that has three games left to play in his college career. That that wouldn't make too much financial sense. So uh, for me, that tells me that he's back next year. And uh, he very well could be one of the better receivers in the ACC, maybe even the country next year. Uh, it's a guy that really has, has broken some norms for Florida State. Under, under Norvell, the last two years, they hadn't had a 400-yard uh, a receiver, which is uh, kind of a, a crazy statistic. But Johnny Wilson's a guy who will double that and uh, has a chance to, you know, be a 1,000-yard receiver if he comes back next year. And 
uh, really, really impressive talent for sure. Yeah, it's definitely strange to see when players are essentially kind of signing a one-year deal for the following year. I, I really do think at some point you'll see a quarterback stay in college because they can make more money next year than they might at the NFL level. But again, that's way off in the future. So Carter, what type of question would you like to ask Kevin about the Gators? So with Anthony Richardson, I mean, I'm just so curious about his NFL future and the development that he needs to make. What what sort of ways do you feel like he still needs to grow? And when it does click for him, what are kind of the reasons why it, you know, these games where he's really been special, what have been maybe the one or two things that, that have kind of come together for him? Well, I think his accuracy and seeing the field, I think is, is, is a big, uh, you know, was something he really, you know, struggled with at times early on in September. He's gotten a little better, but there's still some times there where he'll get the yips and miss some throws and so forth. And, um, but, uh, you know, you see the speed, you see the arm strength, he throws a really nice deep ball. Um, and, uh, you know, more often than not, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's hit Justin shorter on a few. Um, I think that's what intrigues scouts is just, he's got a big arm, you know, and he's, he's obviously, Got the ability to run. Um, you know, there have been questions as to how willing a runner he is and, you know, whether he's holding back for certain reasons, uh, you know, uh, and there's been a big, uh, you know, probably the biggest, uh, you know, thing this season is he stayed healthy, you know, and through all 12 games. I mean, durability was an issue for him last year. He had a lot of issues uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being nicked up and missing games here and there. And he had a hamstring issue. Um, but this year he's, uh, you know, and, and I think he's grown a little bit as a leader too. He's, and, and teammates have said that, you know, that was certainly an issue, you know, going back to the off season and, you know, the incident, you know, the speeding incident and so forth. And, uh, you know, some other things uh, last year that happened. Um, he's, he's a mature kid. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, probably, probably the biggest area where he needs growth is, is accuracy. And, and even sometimes when he does complete passes, um, he doesn't always hit receivers in stride, and I think that's an area where, uh, where, where you know, he could he could definitely grow if if he comes back for another year. Yeah, and it, he's 21 years old, six foot four, 231 pounds. I mean, he's just an impressive specimen. So we'll see what happens for for him next year. So guys. Uh, it's prediction time, and as we mentioned earlier, Florida State comes in a nine and a half point favorite. So, Carter, what is your prediction, and do you think your pick covers? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I've been going back and forth uh, as far as uh, whether they'll cover. I'm gonna go 38-27 FSU. Uh, I think it has a chance to be a, a fairly high scoring game. I'm uh, going to end up picking FSU just because I think maybe playing at home will uh, take them over the top. But um, I, I do think that FSU is is the better team here just with how they've been playing lately. And uh, I, I really think that they can build they can they can take the lead and they can they can keep it and kind of control the clock with their running game. And I think it'll be another. 200-plus uh, yard rushing game for Florida State. All right, so that sounds like you have them winning by 11, which means they would cover. Kevin, how do you see it? 
Yeah, I agree with Carter. I think home field is going to play a, a factor. I don't think they'll cover, but I think Florida State will win. I'm, I'm going to say it's a 27-20 to 20 game, and uh, I, I do believe Florida is going to come out and play with a little bit of pride early on, but I think eventually Florida State's uh, depth, their ability to run the football is going to carry the day. I, I think the Ventral Miller situation is going to be big and worth watching as well because if he doesn't play – uh, I think it's going to be really hard defensively for Florida in the first half. We saw that when he didn't play against U- U- USF, how difficult it was for Florida to even stop that team. Um, so you can imagine what FSU will do. But if if they can somehow get that appeal, you know, get to the SEC office and uh, you know make that make that happen, then uh, you know I think they'll be able to you know maybe hang around a little defensively and 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 play a little better than what they did. You know, the Vanderbilt game they did give up you know 31 points, but you know muff punt and a turnover. Uh, on your own end led to 14 of those. So the defense didn't play as terrible against Vandy as it seemed. Um, but uh, this is still, as you know, a, a very inconsistent uh, defense and one that, uh, you know, still struggles from time to time on third down. They, You thought they had that solved, but it was 7-13 against Vandy last week. So they got to get back to work on that as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer withhold my pick because my wife went to Florida State and I went to Florida and she listens to the podcast. But I'll still say I believe Florida State's going to win. But I'm with you, Kevin. I don't think they cover. Florida might like kick a field goal to bring it within seven or so late and then maybe not get the ball back or score late. So I think that it'll probably be about seven points as well. But, uh, you know, we'll see come Friday evening and I can't wait for that. So, guys, uh, Carter, is there anything else I haven't asked you about Florida State that you might want to get in front of the audience? Can't think it too much, um, but uh, yeah, maybe just let's see if if Norvell slips out Florida this week. That, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the funny one for me. Uh, I just think it's I love the pettiness of rivalries. I love the just intensity. I mean, we were talking to Mike Norvell yesterday, and I I, I felt like you know he was about to to explode with how intense he was uh it's a very intense kind of guy but um yeah love rivalries Uh, the miami game couldn't quite deliver because because as we know miami's pretty terrible but uh florida is a lot better they they have had moments where they've been pretty special this year so i think it could be a pretty great game and uh just really excited to 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 see i mean it's my first FSU Florida rivalry that I'll have watched and uh man it's gonna be uh gonna be fun to to see just uh two classic rivalries uh going, coming together I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the band hearing the war chant and everything on Friday night I mean it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a pretty wild atmosphere and uh, you know maybe maybe this will be a good thing I just I feel bad that it takes away from high school football on Friday nights because that's really important in the state of Florida and you know, you're in the playoffs now. I think you're in the regional finals. Um, but I think the night games are pretty special. I kind of like there there have been a few Saturday night games over the years in this rivalry that have been pretty good. So um, so I, I like the idea of playing under the lights. I just wish it was Saturday night instead of Friday night. And that's a great time to plug our high school football coverage there, Kevin, because on Friday night on all of our sites around the state, we will have scoreboards updating all of the scores from all of the teams still alive. And you are correct. They are in the region finals this week and teams are trying to make it to the state semifinals. And also while you're watching that game, don't miss any big plays while trying to take advantage of Black Friday deals on Amazon. You guys got it? (laughs) Yep, we got it.
All righty. Well, so uh, where can we find you guys on social media? Carter, you first, if people want to follow along and read all your great work. At Carter Carls, Carter, like how you know you would spell it, and Carls, K-A-R-E-L-S, and at No Sports is our main account. And Kevin. Uh, Gatorsports.com, uh, at Kevin Brockway, G1 on Twitter for however much longer Twitter lasts. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see about that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the best places you can find me. Keep the check marks free. All right, guys, I appreciate it. And again, you can find all of Carter's work at Tallahassee.com and all of Kevin's work at Gainesville.com. So, guys, I appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. We'll be watching this Friday, and I look forward to talking to you guys ahead of some bowl games here. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Alrighty, and that's going to do it for the 90th episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote former Major League Baseball pitcher Bob Wells, look around, there are no enemies here. There's just good old-fashioned rivalry. Join us again next time. Mm-hmm.